Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. That the Lord withdrew from Hezekiah for a while to test to see what was in his heart. You know, sometimes God will examine our hearts that way. He tries the reins of our hearts to see how we're going to respond to certain situations and things, to see if we're going to yield to temptation, yield to temptations to commit sin or the temptation to commit the sins of omission even. You know, we talk about the things that we commit against God, but there are things that, that God tells us to do. If we're disobedient, that's the sins of omission. And so God will test our hearts. And, you know, the, the heart or the heart muscle Beats inside our chest can be diseased, and, 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 and sometimes it can cease to function without notice, just like that. I know of people who their hearts just stopped, and when it does, they're gone. You know how that works. But, you know, we can't see inside and see what the heart is doing. Neither can we see inside of ourselves sometimes and see what our heart is like. Because the Bible said it is I, the Lord, who tries the reins of the heart. We need that revelation from God to know who we truly are. Because sometimes we just don't know. You know, another good reason for regular church attendance for us is to, is to subject ourselves to the preaching and teaching of the word, the light of revelation. Because that light of revelation will reveal to us the condition of our hearts. In 1968, there was a song that was written by a guy by the name of Mickey Newberry. And some of you, if you're old enough, could probably remember. I'll give you the first line. I just dropped in to see what, come on, help me out, to see what condition my condition was in. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Mickey Newberry wrote that song. The reason he wrote it was... It was kind of written as a warning against the dangers of LSD. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but Kenny Rogers recorded the song. Kenny Rogers in the first edition, that was before he was a country singer. He was a rock, rock star before he was a country singer. Imagine that. But uh, anyway, he wrote this song. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. I don't know all the words of it. And I don't know that it actually, you know, if it actually accomplished the intended objective but I know the hippies liked it, and so did everybody else. You know, it's a pretty popular song back in the day. But some folks are that way when it comes to church attendance. We just want to drop in to see what condition our condition is in. And, and we need that constant exposure to the gospel. We need that constant encouragement from one another to keep our heart in the right place. Some of us run from correction. We run from someone knowing anything about us, and it's our pride that gets in the way. We don't want anyone to think that our heart could possibly be in danger of, 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 of being in, in, a, in, a, in a bad way. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me? Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about. But the heart of man is the ideology and thinking inside of a person that encompass their core values and their strongest convictions. Can I say that one more time? The heart or the inner part of man, the inner core of man. I'm not talking about the heart muscle. I'm talking about the very essence of who you are. The heart of man is the ideology and the thinking inside of a person that encompass their core values and their strongest convictions. 
We act out of our heart. We do according to our heart. You know, if it's not in our heart to do something, we might commit to it with our head. But if it's not in our heart to do it, how long do you think we're going to stay true to our convictions? Not very long. Because when we make a head commitment to something, it's just a head commitment. But if we are totally into it with our hearts, then we're going to stay committed. I gave my heart to this young lady a long time ago. In just a couple of weeks, it'll be 38 years that we have been united together as husband and wife. But when I met her, my heart went flitter-flop, pitter-patter, and everything else. I mean, it went in all kinds of directions when I saw her. When I saw her standing there, you know, all that kind of thing. My heart went boom when I crossed that room and all that good stuff. You don't know that song. It was a Beatles song, okay? You know who the Beatles are, right? I remember when the Beatles first came out, my brother asked me one day, he says, he says, you know how the Beatles sing? I says, who? He said, the Beatles. I said, who are the Beatles? He said, you know, the rock star, the rock group. I said, no, how do they sing? He said, they rub their legs together. I said, oh, okay. Where are the tomatoes? Look out. <laughs> Somebody said they've got tomatoes back there. If I tell bad jokes, I'm getting them. So anyway, <laughs> let's move on. So consequently, the production of the body is directly associated with the content of the heart. What we do with our hands, what we do with our mouths, what we do with our eyes, what we do with every part of who we are is directly associated with the content of our heart, the things that we do. Our heart. Oh, Jesus put it like this. Let me just get right down to what Jesus said. Matthew 12, 33. He says, a tree is identified by what? Its fruit. If it is good, the, its fruit will be good. If the tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now, Jesus was speaking, of course, to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he said to them, he says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, that you will give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. Now, why would we have to give an account for every idle word that we speak? Because it emanates from somewhere. Where does it come from? Our heart. It comes from the very center of who we are. That's why we'll give an account for it. And the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. You ever give a thought to that, the things that we say and the things that we do? You know, just as the life is in the blood and the blood inside of us coursing through our body brings life to us, I want to give you something to think about. The words that we say are either life-giving or speak death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So if we're speaking death, what is inside of us? And what does death produce? Death. More death. You know, back in, uh, in, in the days of the Romans when they were crucifying people, one of the awful punishments that one of the, the, the Caesars did was this. Whenever a person was crucified, then they would, they would take a person or they'd take a person that had, had been murdered and they would take this body of this person that was murdered and they would tie it to the back of the murderer and make him drag that body around. They couldn't release themselves from it. You know what it did? It brought decay on the murderer. 
It brought death on him. The same can be said of the words that we speak. The words that we speak from our mouths, if they're in our heart, we're either speaking death or life to those around us. We're either speaking death or life to ourselves. We will eat the fruit of what we say either now or on judgment day because on judgment day we will give an account for every idle word that is spoken. So we need to be very judicious, judicious with our words. We need to think about the things that we say. Proverbs 22, there's a verse in Proverbs 22, 17, I believe it says, that even a fool is thought wise when he keeps silent. Wow. You know, we, we, we sometimes we get our brains in neutral and our mouth in fast motion. And we speak and we say things that we shouldn't say. That's why the Bible says in James, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So anyway, that's what Jesus was speaking about. And, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of evil these days, a lot of evil speaking. It's always been present. And ever since sin entered into the world and corrupted the hearts of man and woman, Adam and Eve, there's always been this problem with words and the things that we say. And it was, it was that thing that bro- drove them out of the beautiful garden called Eden. And you know what? Whenever we confront evil, the Bible says don't confront evil with evil, but confront evil with good. Now, what should we do when evil is present as believers? Should we protest evil? How's the best way to protest evil? By doing good. You know, to organize protests against evil and these kind of things, to go out marching and all these kind of stuff. You know what we accomplish by that? The other side's just going to amass a larger group, and they're going to protest right back. And so we amass a larger group, and we protest right back. And, they are, and before you know it, we've got a full-scale war on our hands because all we have done is tried to fight evil with more evil. So what do we do? How should we handle it? The Bible says, live such a life. Live in such a way that others can see Jesus in you. They can see your good works, and that will bring glory to God. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Now, where does that emanate from? It emanates from the treasury of a good heart. You ever heard someone say about an evil person, well, they got a good heart? Well, none of us do, really. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? So the only thing that can change our heart is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. It, it becomes new when we experience a new birth. Only then do we have a good heart. We can't, it's impossible for us to have a good heart if we're still steeped in our sins. If that blows your theology, I'm sorry, but that's correct theology with the Word of God. Now, I'll give you the scriptures for it. Jesus said again, Well, let me go back to Ezekiel here. (laughs) What do we need in order for us to change? If we have evil in our hearts, what's the only good thing that's going to change us? We need a heart transplant. We need a heart transplant. We need a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. 
What is that new spirit? It is a regenerated spirit. It's a born-again spirit. He said, I will put a new spirit within you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations or my commands. And this is exactly what happens when we're born again. What does 2 Corinthians 5, 17 say? Well, come on, help me out. Y'all know that one. That's right. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a... He's a new creation, and consequently, what happens? Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Why? Because we've got a new heart inside of us. Our heart isn't purpose to do the things that we used to do. We've got a new purpose, and our purpose now is to glorify him. Our purpose now is to do what he wants us to do. Our purpose now is to not to hate, but to love. Our purpose now is to establish the kingdom of God and not tear it down. Is to build and not destroy. But even with all this being said, you know that heart disease can happen in the heart of a believer. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, 23 through 27, it says, and, and you know, I, I, I looked at these verses and it occurred to me that it probably wasn't written as a standalone verse. But 4.23 says, says, above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. And then if you follow the next verse, it says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Why? Well, because it'll cause heart damage. It will corrupt us on the inside. And verse 25 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. You know, this too can cause damage to your heart and soul when you get caught up in compromising situations. Jesus said, he said, says, broad is the way, and easy is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow and straight is the way that leads to eternal life. Well, what does he say about that way that leads to destruction? He says, many there are that shall enter therein. And what about the straight and narrow? He says, few there are that find it. Why? Because we're not looking for it. If we're just open to anything that happens around us, if we conform to our society and we do the things around us that everybody else is doing, that's exactly what he's talking about. We compromise. We damage the person inside of us. We do heart damage. Verse 26, he says, make out straight paths for for your feet. Stay on a safe path. This just makes sense. Don't wander off into places where you know you're going to have to make moral choices. Determine beforehand, have your mind already made up, have the choices already made, then you don't have to make those choices. Amen? Come on, somebody. Am I helping anybody this morning? Okay. In verse 27, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. In other words, don't follow those things around you. Don't get caught up in all the bull. There's a lot of stuff out there today that is nothing but just pure evil. But on the outside, it looks good. You know, we got a lot of folks that think they're doing a lot of good. And they're calling evil good. While all the while, they're calling good evil. And they're just totally, totally deceived. The thing about deception is it's deception. What makes deception is that it looks like truth. 
but it contains a lie. And how much of a lie does it take to corrupt the truth? Not much. Because anything that corrupts, Jesus said this, he said, if your whole, if your eye, your seeing, your ability to receive revelation, if your eye is whole, then your whole body is full of light. Does that make sense? If you can see and, and experience the revelation of God, if you are open to hear from him, then your heart will be right and your whole body will be full of light. But if there's corruption in the way that we see things, if we're not seeing things correctly, then darkness enters in. The world loves darkness. They don't care to know the truth. They don't want to know the truth because they love the darkness. Jesus said that. That's not Don Vest talking. That's Jesus. Again, Jesus addressed the condition of the heart in Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. He said, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, and they asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who speaks who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Aren't you glad that that still doesn't apply today? It'd be a lot of dead kids, wouldn't they? But you say it is all right for people to say to the parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given you. In this way, you say that you don't need to honor your parents, so you counsel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but the hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. That happens more than we even care to think. A lot of churches today have their own set rules and sets, and they have their own religion and everything else, but God is so far from it. You know, God is not a God of religion. God is a God of relationship. Religion is something that man has devised in their search for God. But if you've been found by him, then you no longer need religion. You just need to build that relationship with him. Then Jesus called out to the crowd in verse 10, and he said, come and hear. Try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So, so what? Ignore them. I like that. I, like the, I, read, the, I read that in the Message Bible this morning. It says, it says big deal. So what? <laughs> they are blind guides, leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, you will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. And Jesus said, don't you understand yet? Anything that passes through the stomach and then goes out into the sewer, anything that you eat passes through the stomach and then goes out to the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating what is unwashed with unwashed hands will never defile you. 
So here's the thing. You see, when our heart is sick, our whole self is sick. So we cannot make a, we cannot be a person, a whole person until we deal with the heart. Sometimes we just got to drop in to see what condition our condition is in. We got to get before the Lord, see what condition, ask the Lord to reveal to us the condition of our hearts. David said, when he sinned, he says, search my heart, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And, and, and he was crying out to, to God about his heart. Cleanse my heart, O God. And sometimes we just have to do that. Get before him. Psalm 19, 11 through 14 says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Wow. Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free from guilt and innocent of great sin. In verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, that kind of attitude that David had toward God is probably why God said of David that he's a man after my own heart. David messed up, didn't he? Not just one occasion, David messed up a lot. But the thing of it was, David had a desire to have a pure heart before God. He wanted to be pure before the Lord. And so he constantly went before him. And he said, search my heart. Lord, know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, show me. Show me. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That's what we should desire more than anything else. You know, we can't, we can't have a pure heart if all we feed our hearts is, is, is the stuff on day, daytime TV or any TV, really. You know, I mean, even what are, what are some of the things? I don't even know. What, what do we watch? I don't know. Some of the cooking shows and stuff like that. HGTV. Yeah, we watch that, yeah. So... <laughs> Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, blessed are those, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. If our hearts are not pure, then we will fail to get a proper revelation of who God is, and what he desires to do for and through us. Can I say that one more time? If our hearts are not pure, then we fail to get a proper revelation of who God is and what he desires to do for us and through us. It's all about our heart condition. Ephesians 1.18, Paul said this to the church at Ephesus in his letter to them. This is his greatest desire. This is his prayer for them. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Did you catch that? He wants you to know this in the depths of your heart. Know, know first of all who he is. Know what he wants for you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to understand how valuable you are, that you are his children. You're his child. You belong to him. Therefore, he's going to give you whatever you desire when your heart is in the right place. 
Some things he's not going to give you if your heart's not in the right place. But how do we know divine revelation through the Word of God? Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. That word dividing in the Greek, the word means to having the ability to cut in a straight line. It's literally what it means. Do we have the ability to take the word of God and apply it correctly? That comes by revelation. And the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us in that revelation. He shows our hearts what is right. He reveals himself to us. And then we act accordingly. You ever had the Holy Spirit just stop you dead in your tracks? You've been doing something and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just speaks to you. And, and all of a sudden you just have this overwhelming sense of, of, of conviction that what you're doing isn't right. And it may seem right. But the Holy Spirit says no. That is having that revelation from God when he can speak to your heart. That's what Paul was talking about. That your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand this confident hope he has given to those he has called his holy people. I just want to bring this, this one more thought out to you. I'm, I'm, I'm done. My wife is up here showing me what time it is. I'm well aware of the time. I didn't get the pulpit till 10 till, Okay. <laughs> So I can give you a sermonette and we'll make Christianettes out of you if that's what you want. But I've got this one more thought to share with you. And I just totally forgot what it was. Good, he says. Holiness. Holiness. You know, God is calling us to be a holy people. He always has. And what is holiness? What is holiness? It's not dress codes. Holiness is not, you know, a long list of do's and don'ts. Holiness is knowing who you are. You're set apart for a special purpose. God has put his spirit in you and he said, you don't belong to the world. You're mine. You belong to me. You're my special possession. I bought you with a price, a very high price. I gave my one and only son. He poured out his life for you. So I deserve you. I bought you. I redeemed you from your sin. Sin had his clutches on you. You were bound for hell. You had no hope. But Jesus, through his blood, has purchased you. You are God's own special possession. The price was high, so therefore your value just goes out the universe. There's no cap that you can put on the value that God sees in you. So God says you are holy. You were bought with a special price. Therefore, you have a special purpose. God has put destiny inside of each one of us. And the only way we're going to be able to determine that destiny is when the light of Jesus, the light of the Holy Spirit, shines in our hearts. And we get revelation from God. 
People ask me all the time, what is the will of God for my life? I can tell you this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, holy and acceptable before God, which is your reasonable service. And that you don't be conformed to this world, but that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, and then, you will be able to not only know, but prove what is that perfect and acceptable and holy will of God. Wow. There you go. You want to know what the will of God is? Present yourself to him. Holy and acceptable before God. What makes us holy and acceptable before God? Only one thing. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's where it begins. And then Paul goes on. He says, by the washing of the water. We know because God washes us clean, changes our thinking by the word, reveals light, revelation to our hearts so that we can clearly see and understand who we are, know who he is and his purposes for our life. I hope that helps you a little bit. But if you're here this morning and you just dropped in to see what your condition is in, I'm going to ask you this morning to just come let us pray for you. I've asked Jeremy and the worship team to maybe do something this morning to have an invitation to give you an opportunity this morning. I know sometimes there are things happen in our life and it's easy in this world that we live in to get corrupted in our thinking. Things happen around us all the time and we become part of the fabric of our society. It just messes us up. God don't want you to be messed up. He loves you too much. You're his child. How many of you want to see your kids messed up? No, you don't, do you? You want to see them enjoying life. You want to see them experiencing life. You want to see them prospering. How much more does God want us to prosper? How much more does he want us to enjoy life? The Bible says he became rich. He became poor that you might become rich. You know, in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God wants you to experience those things. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.